0: Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company.
1: Back here, Cofield and Company, on this Wednesday. The match apparently is going on. The match, the march, whatever they're calling it. Apparently, it's some bad, bad golf. So, watch it if you want. A lot of insults, I guess. Three great quarterbacks and the kid. Three Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. And the ringless. And somebody else.
2: Yeah.
1: Who, I don't know how he's involved in this. He doesn't belong there, obviously. He's never won a Super Bowl, and they were teasing him about that, apparently. Uh, But, yeah, that is going on right now. I so many things I want to say, but I will not. We do have... It's big five time, but I... I kind of have a sixth one. Okay. So we can just do this before we jump into the Big Five. Uh, A list just came out. Oh And these lists are silly, of course. We love lists. (laughs) But it's the most overrated city in every state. Oh, yeah. These are good. Obviously, Nevada's Reno. I mean, there's no no question. I mean, I would probably put, like, an Elko or something. But are they even rated? How is Reno... Is named the most overrated city in Nevada. Are they even rated? No, it's terrible. How is it overrated? Everybody knows it sucks. Yeah, it's not even, yeah. Where is
2: it rated? Who's rating it?
1: And could you put Henderson in on general? there?
2: No. You don't I know grew
1: it. up in Henderson for the most part. I, I enjoy Henderson, but it's somewhat overrated. This?
2: Let me ask you this. What's the most underrated city in Nevada? I know what I would say. Laughlin. I would say Boulder City. I love Boulder City. but I love going through like the the old the historic museum or hitting the coffee cup, you know, the just, coffee just, cup school. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will. like, here's the
1: thing. People misinterpret what overrated means all the time. Overrated doesn't mean bad. No. Like overrated is just like, that Oh, you, it- you scored a 10. It's really like an eight. Like, okay, that's overrated. That that's, that's what it is. Nobody rates Reno anything. So yeah, even no. though it sucks, no. it's not overrated. Um, I, Maybe Vegas is the most overrated. Like I love Las Vegas. Right. But to me, it's like a 13 out of 10. Maybe it's only a 12 out of 10. And that makes it over. That means it's
2: overrated. Well, I think I think for people like you and I, it's overrated to people that don't appreciate the parts of Las Vegas that we appreciate. And then to other people that they're they're, what they hype it up and maybe rate Vegas as a 12 out of 10. You and I go, "Eh, we avoid that. Sure. You know what uh, I'm yeah, and so even though I love Henderson, maybe Henderson's number one. I don't know. It's tough. Like, like one of our favorite spots when we're hungry at one in the morning after a long night at the press room. One of our favorite spots to go eat. Someone else be like, "No, I like to," get, and then they'll name some place <laughs> at, at a hotel. Our, our spot's the best. <laughs> I mean, come <laughs> on,
1: uh, for sure. <laughs> don't, don't give it away. That was that was one we, of the one of the three draft
2: crowded. nights, I, or, or excuse me, two of the three draft nights. I was there on the Thursday and the Saturday.
1: Uh, I will also say Ann Arbor was rated number one in Michigan. That's garbage. Ann Arbor is amazing. It's ridiculous. Uh, the only state that didn't have a city named New Jersey. Here it says and I, this is not me making up make, to make fun of Steve. It just says they're all garbage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which
1: is good. That's true. Um, there are some more out there. LA being number one in California is silly. I mean, LA is terrible. Like, Why would it be rated by anybody? Um, there's a lot there. And my... and. Miami was named in Florida. No, it's Jacksonville. Jacksonville is the worst place in the world. So anybody that rates it anything, that is the winner. There's a lot more of these. Maybe we'll get into them uh, later on in the week, potentially. But let's get to it.
0: Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five.
1: Oh, I, got, I, I forgot one, too. St. George was
2: the most overrated city in Utah. I like St. George. It's It's awesome. What's Which the place? Cool what's the place with the onion rings? They're famous for the their onion rings and milkshakes. If you go through Saint G- I don't really like onion rings. So, huh? No, oh, I don't like man. onion rings. It's like it's like an old school like malt shop. Okay, uh, that, that really sounds cool. Yeah. I, I, I would enjoy that maybe. Yeah, uh, I went to the Jerry Tarkanian basketball camp in in uh, like '77 just for in Saint George. Yes, huh? nice. the same circular dorms that are there, they're still there.
1: Uh, I was trying to think of a segue. I don't. Jerry Tarkanian not coaching the Ukraine soccer team. Uh, Ukraine played soccer today for the first time since the invasion uh, from Russia, and they won. They scored a pretty stunning upset uh, over Scotland today, 3-1. to one. Some really, really pretty goals if you see them. Very nearly offside in a couple of them, but uh, they were onside, and uh, they get the win. That means they play a
2: game Sunday against Wales. That's a big game. Big game, major. I'm if not, I'm not big on. I'm not big, you know, until it gets to the, to the to the main digs. But I know the Wales is a powerhouse, right? No, oh, they not. Okay. Oh, I they're thought okay. it was. That's they're, because they're I know a family okay. from Wales. Like they're here. the the kid the, the boys went to Arbor with Jordan, and so I. But they're really into soccer, so I thought that maybe it's just a pride. They're in, yeah, they're they're prideful of it. Okay, they're okay. They're not. they're No, so it's not a powerhouse. Here. Um but it's good this is good for Ukraine.
1: Good for Ukraine. I think good for the spirits. Obviously, uh, you know, many people in Ukraine were tweeting about it today, like, hey, that's two hours that our life wasn't miserable. That's cool. Right. Um, so I that that would say cool story. Now they have to follow through and win on Sunday. If they're able to, they do get into the World Cup. So it's a basically a play in game to the World Cup between Pale between Wales and Ukraine. And why this is somewhat I mean, it's significant on a global scale for sure. I think everybody would like to see Ukraine, except Wales fans, you're friends from Wales and I have another friend that's a big Wales soccer fan. Uh don't want to see them in. But I think a lot of people who are neutral on this would would enjoy seeing Ukraine in the World Cup. And if they do get to the World Cup, the winner of that game between Wales and Ukraine plays in the pool with the US yeah. and England, which means they will play. It could potentially be US Ukraine um, England, Ukraine—those matchups could happen in the World
2: Cup. So, okay. So, if if if, if the U.S. and Ukraine played, and you're tier, you're a big soccer guy, a you major big—I mean, you're up all night watching soccer. Uh, if they played, is this the one year that if Ukraine scored the upset that you'd be okay with it and feel good? No, oh, no. Okay. Uh, U.S. <laughs> the, the U.S. is not going to win the World Cup this year, but this
1: is a massive tournament for the U.S. Okay. Uh, because 2026 is kind of the target year. That's oh, yeah. the year that everybody we, has circled we talked about this. where yeah. the U.S. actually should be able to compete potentially for a World Cup, at least for maybe a Final Four uh, to get into the semis type thing, and, and then anything can happen. So, 2026 is the year for the U.S. Obviously, if things break right, in 20, you know, they could make a run, but I think 2026 is the year. So, they need to get some of those young guys' experience in the World Cup stage. They need to get into the, um, into the knockout rounds to kind of feel what that's like and get a sense of what it's going to be like in, well, I was going to say four years, in three and a half years, because this is a late World Cup in November. Uh, so, yeah, I, that, that, that will be a big matchup for the U.S. And, of course, U.S. over Ukraine, you would hope for, but you want to see Ukraine in, I think. I think that'll be fun for everybody. That will happen on Sunday. Number four. Do, do we believe Jimbo Fisher? Let's, let's first of all hear what Jimbo Fisher has to say. We know that there's a simmering feud, Between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban called him out. Jimbo Fisher called a hastily organized news conference the next day and said, We're done. We used to be friends. We're done. It's over. Now he's moving on? It's
3: over with. We're done talking about it and what happens, and we're moving on to the future, what goes on, and try to fix the problems of what we have in college football. We're a lot more pressing needs than our arguments. We're moving on to do what we got. I have no problem. Things are said, and and what he says, what we say. I mean, it moves on. We're, We're moving on
2: to the next thing. Does anybody believe him? Well, he may have said, we're done, I'm done with him, we're not friends, whatever, but that could still stand in his mind. He's now just saying, I'm done, we're moving on, meaning, okay, we're moving past it. I still stand my ground where I, he's dead to me. <laughs> right. That's. But I mean, we're that's moving me, on. It's over. It yeah, I, I, I kind of believe him. Like, I don't, I, I don't. if I was in his shoes, I don't want to keep talking about it. What, what, what more do you want to say? Shabin's the one that wants to keep talking about or, or, or at least, actually, he doesn't, but... He's with one with more explaining and back and, and sort of backpedaling. Jimbo just wants to be done with it. He he made his stance. He he said what he had to say, and now he's moving on. I believe that. I, I mean I
1: I don't. I, do you, like so I mean if that's the case, let me ask you this. Then then the week that they play, which is obviously gonna be the primetime yeah, SEC matchup and everybody's gonna be talking about I think Alabama's like a seventeen point favorite <laughs> in that game, but um, everybody's gonna be talking about it. And both those publicly, sure. They're both gonna that week, they're gonna play hey, it's just a game, just another game, game on the schedule. We're gonna try to win. Of course they're gonna say that publicly. You don't think behind this when Jimbo's at dinner with his family, he's gonna be like, I'm gonna beat this mu You don't think he's gonna be doing that?
2: He might fam slap him.
1: <laughs> is that a new the fam, the slap, fam slap, slap is a new thing? Instead of a backhand, it's I, a fam I, hand. I mean, I don't think he's gonna do I don't think he's gonna walk out on the on the field and uh-huh. slap him after the game. Well, well he's moved on. He publicly has moved on. He, he hasn't. We wanna see group chats. These things don't just end like, below the surface, it's going to be simmering.
2: It's not over. Publicly, though, it's over. We're moving on. He's done He's <laughs> done talking about it, is okay. what he said. He's, done. he's not going to talk about it anymore. He's going to talk about it, you know, behind closed doors, but he's not going to talk about it with the press.
1: All right, well, I guess let's move on. Number three. Oh, Western Conference Finals started last night. Colorado and Edmonton putting on an offensive display for the ages. Just realized... Gonna flip the channel here in the studio. Uh Eastern Conference Finals starting tonight.
2: Let's go, Rangers. And
1: that's not the right that's not the right channel. Let's go. Rangers. Um, Let's business. Go, Rangers. <laughs> it's not, none of your business. So the Rangers are in action. That is significant to some here in Las Vegas because of a couple of people that are on the ice. And uh, the the Golden Knights have moved on. Knights have moved on. Just like just like Jimbo, they moved on. Gerard Gallant and Ryan
2: Reeves have also moved on to the semifinals. Now, were you growing up? Were you a Red Wings fan? Yeah. See, Big now growing machine. up, I didn't have a. I grew up in Las Vegas. There's no pro teams, right? So I was the 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 automatic. It was Cowboys, Lakers, uh, the popular, right? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not automatic. Well. It, it should it, have been it, all LA teams. In nineteen seventy six. That's what that's what it those were the three teams that sure. I gravitated, if it, to, yeah, gravitated sure. if you, to. If you
1: wanna if you want to jump on bandwagons, that's exactly. what you do. So yeah.
2: I mean, seven years old, that's that those were the teams. What I didn't do was jump off and then just say, Okay, and, and fine. So I stayed loyal. When it came time to uh, cheering for hockey I just automatically cheered because I didn't really know anybody. I just cheered for where I was born, New York. So I was, here, I was always cheering for the Islanders, the Rangers. I never really watched it. When I moved to Minnesota, I started watching the North Stars. It was the same thing that we told people when hockey came here. Like, you are you can't appreciate it unless you see it live. So when I started going to North Stars games at the old Met Center, there became a new appreciation. When I came back here, I just started cheering for the hometown, the hometown teams as far as where I was born. So I sort of have a... That's the team that I would root for as a fan. If I wasn't a journalist, we certainly don't cheer for the Golden Knights. You're still probably a Detroit fan, whatever. So I cheer for the teams from New York. So aside from the fact that I would love to see Gerard Glant and Ryan Reeves in the Stanley Cup final, that's my birthplace. So I'm cheering for the Rangers. And I personally think that they have the upper hand on Tampa Bay for several reasons. Why? Well, because... I'll take you back to 2017 when Gerard Glant coached the Vegas Golden Knights, and the one thing that everybody said about that team, even though it was a band of misfits, was that he was able to put four lines, even that heavy line with Ryan Reeves, they were able to use the four lines. One rugged one, wearing to the speed of Carlson, Smith, and Marsha. He was 3-1 and one against Tampa Bay with that style of play. In his first year with the Rangers... He is 3-0 and against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So since 2017, the style of play that he coaches is 6-1 and against Tampa Bay. Braden Point may not be back. They're dinged up. The Rangers, how many times have we asked this question, Adam, where... The Golden Knights come home and they've had it. They got home from a long road trip. They had three, four days off. Hey, how is it? Nice. And it's always, well, it takes that second game to get their legs back just from three, four days off. The Lightning have had eight days off. Rangers, they're just playing like a regular season. Everyone's saying, well, they're going to be tired. They're fatigued. They're yeah. emotionally, they might be emotionally drained from a big game seven win on the road, but. They're in regular season mode. They're in regular hockey mode. The Lightning have had eight days off. They may need two games to get back. If the Rangers can pull off the win tonight and get the upper hand, they have the home ice, and they're playing the style of hockey that Gerard has implemented with Vegas and the Rangers that's beaten the Lightning six out of seven times, well, they only need four wins in this series. I like the Rangers.
1: Well, I, I think you made the case for why I also like the Rangers tonight. I do, have a, I do have a Rangers to win the Stanley Cup bet. We've talked about that on the air. Hopefully, uh, that comes through. My plan is to hope that the Rangers win tonight, get a very favorable series price, and then hedge on the Lightning, because I think the Lightning in the long run do a lot of the things that the Rangers do well better. While Shesterkin is the best goalie, Tampa Bay I think is the best overall defense that I've seen in the postseason. They've ratcheted it to a new level. And goodness! They just—I didn't, think—they allowed less than a goal a game in the last series against a very, very good Florida team. Wipe, wipe them off the ice, and I think—I do think—tonight is going to be an adjustment period. But I think in the end, the Lightning win. But I—I I would also love to see Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves succeed. Uh, We—you talked about—I went out into the story, personality. Uh, went out into the story on them during the season this year in New York. Went up to uh, Terrytown, where they train about an hour north of the city, and uh, they were happy to see you again. too.
2: Yeah, they were. You and Ed walked in. They're like, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fired up. So, um, you know what? Those are two of the guys, the original crew, and some of the guys are still there that always treated us all great. They were always, you know, we never really had issues with them. They were always, they always made time when the locker rooms were open, right? How many, I mean, Adam, you and I have said this time and time again off the air, on the air, whatever. I mean, easily, you cover more pro athletes. Than I have. You've been on the Raiders, beat, whatever. You've been in the locker room before the pandemic, but one of the best recorders are off, off just just shooting the, Reeves. Ryan Reeves is just was always fantastic. Right, and he you know, I talk, talked about this before, but he participated.
1: Well, we had a goofy skit because he loves prices right. Oh we yeah, had yeah, yeah, a, yeah. We had to play prices right, and yeah. he had to yeah. sit through our nonsense. Yeah, he for loves that. it. was great. He he loves the stuff, yeah. so it's cool to see. Number two. You know it's not cool to see? I don't even know how to describe this. Ohio Valley Pizza. We didn't uh, have Fat Pack today, so we had to uh, work this into the big five. It's in the Pittsburgh area, Ohio Valley, Steubenville, Ohio. We actually know somebody from Steubenville. It is atrocious looking. It's essentially you put the cold cheese and pepperoni on top of like warm cooked crust, and
2: that and that's how you eat it. Yeah,
1: it's disgusting looking.
2: Elementary school? Are you, pizza are you looking at bad. it? Yeah. No. Would you eat that? I, I, I'm a, I'm I'm appalled that it's called pizza. <laughs> what? Why
1: would you do this? You you know you understand food better than I. In terms of like how to prepare it and how to make it and why things taste better, but like what what would this what would this be? Why would you do this? Is there any secret to how you prepare it? Well, first of all, it?
2: I don't know anybody. I don't think there's one I see. You, you there's another warm, picture where it's melted. The, but,
1: I but, should say you warm the you warm the sauce. You warm the sauce and the bread, and then you put the cold cheese on top of right, it.
2: Right, and you're, it's expected to melt on its own. But the bottom line is, I don't know anybody that that just eats cold shredded cheese or puts it on and then eats it on a natural melt. The second picture I'm looking at from an article, it's it, it like half of it's melted, but three quarters of it, it's not like I don't know any one of these raw shredded cheese. That uh, uh, like on food, like don't get me wrong, I've opened up some shredded cheese or you're you're getting the, the taco dishes ready and then you you kind of just dip it, you have some but to put it on and eat, okay, maybe like at a salad bar, but on you don't put shredded cheese on hot food. And not cook it, in my opinion. I mean, but the way that this looks on the tweet that you put with the with the pepperoni, not sort of <laughs> sizzling and the oil. It's, it's
1: defined as cold cheese and cold pepperoni uh-huh. on top uh-huh. of uh-huh. a warm crackery uh-huh. crust and warm tomato sauce.
2: No, uh-huh. and we scrapped that pack for this when I was gonna go off on Jimmy Garoppolo?
1: <laughs> well, that was the other portion of this. What what is your problem with Jimmy G? And by the way, minute eleven in Rangers won nothing.
2: Boom boom. Chris Kreider, yeah,
1: Tampa Bay Let's wasn't go, ready Ranger. as we as we both as we both said they come out flat.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm watching the other night and I hear this commercial for Subway, and it, Jimmy Garoppolo says, "We have now authentic Italian Capicola at and it, so it shows and it shows the meat dropping all dramatic." I am not going to entertain any sandwich shop that is not going to call it Gabagool. Oh. And when you have a prominent Italian athlete that's coming out to say, like my Nano used to make, yeah, the, the, the whole idea behind it is you're, you're accentuating this Italian delicacy that you, if you go to the place that Steve and I have our bets for, you're wa- walking in using the phrase. You're not saying I would like some some uh, mozzarella. No, I want some mozzarella. You're not, you're not saying I want capicola. I want some gabagool. <laughs> I I am appalled at that commercial. And I'm uh, it, it's just I I'm beside aren't myself. Aren't they Aren't
1: they doing the commercial for people in
2: like Ohio? I don't care if they're doing it from people <sighs> in Nantucket. You pronounce it properly. It's gabagool. Cooper Settle. Settle. Settle down. Oh, forget about <laughs> it, don't we? you done. I'm done. Okay.
1: Number one. All right. I, I don't know. Do the Rangers score, score again, again yet? No. no. Okay. Not yet. Still 1-0. your business. Uh, I don't <laughs> thank you, Gerard. Um, I don't even know where to go with this. Uh, we do have NBA finals. We just got Eric Snow's prediction. We will get into a little bit of our prediction and then coming up. Uh, In just a little bit more NHL Talk, Wes Walls will join us to break down what he thinks of how these series could play out uh, with the Rangers still leading 1-0 here against Tampa Bay.
0: It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000.
1: Drew Brees came back again. Now he's out at NBC. LeVar Arrington took him (laughs) Yeah, my God. (laughs) He's just not as popular as he thinks he is. He's not as loved as he thinks he is. And he acts out when it doesn't go the way he would like for it to go. I don't know if LeVar Arrington has any history with Drew Brees. I would assume this quote came from a much longer quote, but the Drew Brees situation with TV, very fascinating.
0: You are listening to Cofield and Company live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN, Las Vegas.
1: Pat McAfee, coming back, a little, little bit of insight on the Drew Brees, the True situation, uh, developing situations with Pat McAfee in the media as well. Is he uh, taking on some media jobs and? He had a conversation today that I've not been able to hear yet, but I'm very much looking forward to maybe hear some of that on the show tomorrow if we can get some audio because I don't know exactly what he said, but I saw some topics that he was talking about, and I really would like to hear what it was. God, he had some good stuff on the, uh, the J- Javon Kinlaw versus 49ers blogger story, which we still haven't talked about on this show, and I do want to get into it at some point. But we did say we were going to talk NBA Finals a little bit, Who's your pick? We heard Eric Snow pick Celtics in six. What's your pick?
2: I actually wrote an analysis and a preview for one of the sports betting sites I had to do some writing for. We'll get into the analysis, but my final sentence is I like Boston to get this done in oh, six. Everybody's
1: just conspiring against me.
2: <laughs> my dubs, the Cinderella story. Yeah, I think everyone in the nation that's picking Boston, they have you on their brain. From... I mean,
1: they just don't want me to be happy. I suffered through that 2019 ugliness, and all I wanted was a situation like this. And we are finally on the cusp of return. Oh, 1-1. One, one. Tampa Bay ties it. Uh, finally on the cusp of returning to the championship glory.
2: I wouldn't I I would mind saying. I just wrote. I'm writing analysis. I mean, it's, you know, just you're writing what you see, what you think. You're breaking it down. Now, does that mean that I, I would love to see the core from the championship team, even before KD was there, sure. Because I I like Steph, I like Clay, I like Draymond, and I, I mean I think it would be very cool to return to see that core return with different supporting cast. Right? We saw them with so many different role players get it done, and and it just goes to show how strong that core is. And you know Steve Kerr, so. I I wouldn't mind seeing it. That's just, but the way I broke it down is, it's it's really based, Adam, on what I felt and how they handled their run through the Eastern Conference. But I took it back also to January 23rd. You go back, I believe that's the date. Um, Yeah, from January 3rd to the end of the regular season, Boston 28 and seven, the only team to have an 800 winning percentage, and. The Celtics averaged I didn't even realize this until I looked it up. They averaged 117.5 points in that span and allowed a league low 102.5 in that same span. 15 point differential. And now they're allowing less in the playoffs, 101. I mean, it's a, it's a downtick by one point, but it's just the fact of the consistency that it's not just that they got hot in the postseason. Like They became the hottest team, the best team, the number one team in the league, record-wise, stat-wise. So I just think that they have a lot going on their defensive side. And I know you mentioned talking, to Eric, about what Draymond Green brings when he starts passing at the top of the key. And you're right, because they are, I mean, when the Splash Brothers get hot, they're unstoppable. And I agree with you. I just feel like because of what Boston did down the stretch since the start of the essentially the start of the calendar year that that they have a great chance defensively. Well, we thought this was going to be a defensive struggle,
1: but maybe it's going to look like last night's game. I don't know. 1-1 New York and Tampa. will switch gears, get into the NHL when we come back.
0: More of Cofield and Company is on the way. For the one-goal lead. And the again must be set. But the at the Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. We're
1: going to talk some NHL playoffs. We got the game on right now. One-to-one. One. Wes Walls is an analyst for the Minnesota Wild, former NHL player, and we just saw. Stephen Stamkos tie the game for Tampa Bay against New York. And, Wes, he must have had some really good mentors when he came into the league.
3: He did. Some guys named uh, Marty St. Louis and uh, Vincent Lecavier and um, I, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to be the assistant coach when he was a rookie there in Tampa as well, too. So I had a chance to to, uh, to work with Stephen uh, when he was a rookie there. And, um, you know, he was – people forget his, his – uh, People forget his rookie year. I mean, we had talked about maybe sending him back to Sarnia. Um, his first year, it took him a while to kind of figure out, you know, the, the whole NHL game and the amount of pressure that was on him was tremendously Im- immense. But uh, uh, you, right around Christmas time, he, he kind of figured it out. And uh, we took the training wheels off, and away he went. And he never looked back.
2: Wes, you mentioned Marty St. Louis, and I, I got to ask you, you know, the, the interim tag is removed. He's the official coach. Vegas is still waiting. We're... Uh, us media members who are waiting to to be called for a press conference to to, to announce a coach. i got to ask you, in your opinion, this is going to be the third coach in six seasons for the Golden Knights, high expectations. Who would be under more pressure, the new coach, whoever it may be for the Vegas Golden Knights, or Marty St. Louis with a storied franchise, the original six of the Montreal Canadiens?
3: <laughs> well... Listen, I grew up watching the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens, and I'm Canadian, so I'm going to say there's a little bit more pressure on on, uh, on uh, Marty St. Louis in, in Montreal. And I know they didn't make the playoffs and they finished near the bottom of the league, but the the amount of pressure that is on anybody in, in, in Montreal and Toronto, it's just, it's a fishbowl. Like, uh, like you have to really live there and, and to really feel it, how crazy it is there too, but... And I know there's been a bunch of turnover there in Vegas with coaches over the last uh, few years. And, uh, you know, I know Barry Trotz is one of the names that is kind of out there. I haven't really heard his name being associated too much with Vegas. Uh, you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes, but I really, I really envision this, you know, basically all the other coaches just kind of waiting to see what Barry <laughs> Trotz wants to do. I'm sure he's going to have his uh, his choice of wherever he wants to go. And, and he should have, have, he's a guy that's won a few Stanley Cups and, very respected coach around the National Hockey League, but uh, if you had to put a gun to my head, I'd have to say Marty St. Louis.
1: So yeah, and that's something we've talked to Max already about, and uh, what you know, kind of what he went through uh, earlier yeah. in his career. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on on you know, you've been around hockey your whole life, it, like games like last night. We as fans love those. The, did do players love games like that, or are they like more you know? disciplined, you know, discipline's not the right word because there's very disciplined hockey going on, but, yeah. you know, more structured and, and defensive-minded hockey.
3: No, the players love that. That's like <laughs> that's like the fastest-paced, like, pond hockey game you could possibly see ever. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I was a fan watching last night, too, and I, I, I felt like I was in a time warp watching the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers from the 1980s play the Calgary Flames. I, I was a boy who grew up in Calgary, so I just it, it felt like just wide open back and forth, and uh, it was very very entertaining to watch, and uh, it was kind of comical watching you know Wayne Gretzky on the TNT you know in between periods with Rick talk and some of those other guys there, you know to hear Wayne Gretzky talk about you know have, you know these teams got to learn how to defend or they ain't <laughs> gonna win anything. It kind of kind of made me chuckle a little bit, and I saw Rick Tockett who I coached with in Tampa, he was laughing pretty hard at the desk, dude. To hear Wayne Gretzky say. Um, you've got to defend a little bit better if you want to have a chance to put your name on the Stanley Cup. And um, you know, he is, he is Wayne Gretzky was a guy that you usually met his goalie at the year-end party. He didn't—he uh, got <laughs> paid. He got paid to he got paid to, uh, to score goals, but entertaining for sure to watch uh, as a fan. But I can promise you, uh, the game tomorrow night, game two is going to be much more. Uh, there's going to be a lot less room to move around the ice, and it's going to be yeah. much more structured. In both teams' games, um, and to be honest with you, if those teams continue to play like that, like if they're gonna, if they want to try to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, like we all know how Tampa Bay can just lock you down, it's uh, you. You can run and gun as much as you want against each other, but until you decide to play defense first, you uh, don't get you have a really difficult time winning a Stanley Cup, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, you know, I I could be wrong. I'd, I'll get your take on this. I feel like Colorado doesn't want to do that, right? That that favors Edmonton, even though Colorado won the game. I feel like just if it gets wild like that, Edmonton has a better chance in the series. Uh,
3: it, I mean, I I agree with you. I I, I but I, you know what I've we've we've seen Colorado play a lot. I mean, obviously the you know, out here in Minnesota, we we hook up with them a lot. Um, and th- the thing is, like I've watched Nathan McKinnon, and I've watched Landis Cog and McCarr and all. I've watched those guys. They can buckle it down if they absolutely have to, um, but they just don't want to, right? <laughs> and, and they don't want to and. Um, I'm sure the the the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning could play like that too if they wanted to just go down back and forth and 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 light up the scoreboard too. But they recognize in Tampa, they recognize that if if you know they can keep some of the best teams to the outside and defend and block shots and commit themselves and keep teams to two three goals against, they know just through osmosis they're going to score three four goals. They're just that good. And um, so you know until Colorado. In Edmonton, those teams figure that out. It's really going to be hard to, to to win a Stanley Cup, and either one of those teams, Colorado or Edmonton. I'm not saying Colorado still can't beat the, the Rangers or or Tampa, but if they just want to get into a, a, a track meet with the Tampa Bay Lightning, if they end up hooking up Colorado uh, in the finals, I, I I'm putting all my money on Tampa Bay.
2: So, Wes, I got to ask you one of the questions that we talked to in the exit interviews with the Golden Knights this this past season. Uh, Less than a month ago, I guess it is now, um, was the feeling that, you know, after the San Jose Sharks pretty much put the dagger in, that that there were text messages being sent from players around the league thanking them or telling them good job. And so we asked players like Jonathan Marchesaw, which he sort of took it very personal in that, you know, how they felt in, in that in just five straight years, they went from being the darlings of the league in this incredible story, the misfits, to, one of the most hated teams among the players and and that it, they're it's it's they're glad to see them knocked out have you is it, you know just your thoughts on that and and maybe why is it is it because of the early season success or the early franchise success what what is it that has caused them to become this team that everybody wants to see fail
3: wow I mean I that's news to me what you're saying to me I I didn't know that there was that much uh dislike uh, you know to the Vegas golden Knights I mean I if, the first thing that pops into my head is exactly what you talked about—just, just, just uh, envy and, and watching what the Vegas Golden Knights did there. You know, the first couple of years, inaugural season, what they did was ridiculous. I, I was part of a, a team that came into the NHL in 2000 with the Minnesota Wild, and we had a great first year. We won 25 games. We didn't. We weren't even close to making the playoffs. Like for me, watching an expansion team come in and um, and do what they did was truly remarkable like it was something that I don't think I'll ever see in my lifetime again um, so having said that I, I just think a lot of that guys would just strictly be because guys are, are, are envious and uh, because of the amount of success that, uh, that that franchise has had in their short uh, in their short tenure
1: well it's also fans being sensitive and passing that on to the players I, I think that, that's a lot of it too fans fans here don't know yet what not being good is.
3: That's a good point. That's <laughs> yeah. actually hey, you got it. That's exactly it
1: for yeah. sure. And they still have Great it because it, it, it's not they weren't good this year. They were they were a good team. They just had injuries and fell just short. They they don't know what it's like to have a bad team yet, and we'll see how fans here react to that. But th- there is a very beloved Golden Knight former Golden Knight uh, that was in Minnesota this year in marc Andre Fleury for the end of the season. Uh, I, I just I was interested from your perspective because I know it kind of got. I'll say there was friction. Uh, in the in the goaltender situation here toward the end, and I know there was some, you know, I guess controversy might be too strong. There was definitely some debate on who should start in Minnesota. What was that situation? Did it remain kind of amicable? Was it was it good, or was there some some maybe some bitterness in there?
3: You know, it's it's hard to know exactly what's going on in the locker room when you're not in the locker yeah. room, and you know, as media member, you're you're around a little bit, but you're not really. You know, especially during the playoffs, because you're on the other side of the building. That the players walk all the way around, so you're not really you don't spend a lot of time around the locker room at all during the playoffs. But um, I can only tell you from like some of the people that were around the locker room. Um, it, it, those guys, Cam Talbot and Mark Andre Fleury, got along great. They were like brothers. They were cheering for each other when they weren't in the net. I don't know what happened in Las Vegas, um, and, and maybe a lot of it. You know, if there was some controversy, maybe a lot of it was made from the media and the fans and stuff like that. I, I'd but, have a well, well, so,
1: sorry, sorry. To, I'll just say it's also from one of the players' agents. I'll, I'll say it was an issue. <laughs> there was a sword that went through <laughs> yeah. someone's back. Yeah, there, there was. It was outside forces, and you're absolutely right about that. Yeah,
3: and I, again, I don't, I'm not up to date with what's going on in Vegas. To be honest with you, but uh, I can just tell you what went on here. And Mark Andre Fleury was pulling for Cam Talbot, and Cam Talbot was pulling for Mark Andre Fleury. Yes. Obviously, they're both great goaltenders, and there's only one net. Um, and, and um, you know, they were both professional about everything. You know, obviously, Cam Talbot come out afterwards after the playoffs were out the Wild Lost, in uh, you know, in their first round of the, the uh, of the playoffs. And Cam obviously wasn't happy with uh, how everything, you know, went. And he knows he's going to be back here next year. I don't know what's going to happen with Mark andre Fleury. It sounds like uh, Billy Guerin's going to take a run at him and try to, try to get him to sign here. It sounded like... To me, that Mark Andre Fleury and enjoyed the locker room and what was going on and what the Wild are building here. Um, but guys, I, I you know, and I know enough guys are on the locker room, trainers and stuff. Uh, uh, I would know what was going on in the locker room, and and I never heard one bad thing come out of that locker room. Those two guys were pulling for each other, regardless of who was in net. And I think because of it, I wouldn't because they got along so good, and they're now I think Mark Andre would be thirty. Eight thirty-nine next year. If he signs a one-two-year two-year deal, I can't tell. But it's going to be thirty-five. You know, if those guys share the net again next year, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, one bit. I know Billy Garen, the general manager here, won a Stanley Cup with Mark Andre Fleury in Pittsburgh. So I know they've got a pretty good rapport with each other. So um, I'm sure Billy's going to take a run at him. And I'm, there's going to be other teams around the league that are going to take a run at Mark Andre Fleury. But I heard nothing but great things about uh, marc Andre Fleury.
1: There you go, West Walls. Analyst for the Wild, former NHL player, will uh will let you go on this. Who is going to raise the Stanley Cup?
3: Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are wow. going to raise the Stanley Cup again for the third time, and we're going to call it a dynasty. That's that's where I think this is all headed. I know uh, it got pretty flashy, and there there was a lot of splash last night in, in Colorado between the Oilers and, and Colorado. But uh, I, I just I've seen it too long now with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I've seen their goaltender and what he can do um Vasilevsky there and and the the amount of buy-in that the Tampa Bay Lightning players have because of guys like Steven Samko's blocking shots and just committing to doing all the little things to win Stanley Cups it's uh, it's been remarkable to watch the last two or three years so uh if I was a betting man and I'm not but I would uh I would put some money on the Tampa Bay Lightning
1: there you go great stuff and you know I I know uh I know a lot of people here are cheering for the Rangers, so they're not going to like that prediction. But we will, uh, we uh, will see how that plays. Gerard Glant and Ryan Reeves very beloved here in Las Vegas, and people would love to see them finally raise fr- finally raise that cup. But we'll see how this all plays out. Man, great, great stuff. We really, really appreciate your insight, and uh, look forward to hearing from you again soon.
3: You got it, guys. Take care.
1: Thanks, man. Great, great stuff from me. I really, really enjoyed that conversation with West Walls and. Uh, Check him out on Twitter. We'll get that. I'll get that handle for you. On the way back, we'll wrap things up here on this Wednesday, Cofield and Company.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents
2: hey, hold up. Hold on. Vegas, Vegas. Vega, Vega.
0: grab bag.
2: Don't touch it. Don't even look at it.
0: Only on ESPN Las Vegas. <Gülme>
1: Hand in there, Still one-one at Madison Square Garden. Tampa Bay and the Rangers. Forty-five seconds left here in the first period. Great stuff from West Walls there. I said we'd give you get you his Twitter handle. is walls thirty-seven thirty-seven makes sense. He wore number thirty-seven as a player. So W A L Z three seven three seven. If you want that insight from West Walls,
3: stick your hand in there, Dave.
1: I don't know where I was, where I was going. We we're watching the U.S. soccer game. Now we've got the Rangers and Lightning. There's so many things happening right now. I've I've got a baseball bet going on right now that I'm trying to root for. It's second and third, nobody out. That's good news for me.
2: You got a lot of things going on. A <laughs> lot, a lot going on. But I mean, the one thing that you really got going on more than anybody that we that anybody knows is, or more than anybody else that we know, is fantasy sports. Oh.
1: I, I I mentioned earlier I got in a league and I know you're going somewhere with this, but I got in a league finally yesterday. Somebody was like, "Hey, this is like this is for you. You're gonna love this because like I, I I love rules for fantasy leagues mostly because and I'll be straight up. I generally find ways to take advantage of whatever rules are there and win because I can find them, find the rules, pick them apart, find the ways to get find the ways to take advantage of those. And win leagues. And so people don't like that necessarily. I got a rule book yesterday that was no joke. It was like 40 pages long. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll figure this out after two years, and I'll I'll start to be able to win a little bit better. But yeah, I I enjoy that aspect of it. But you are referring to a conversation from the morning show.
2: I am. Tyler Bischoff, Ed Graney, Jared. They all decide, They were all. They all agreed this morning that I can't remember who the heck they were talking to. I can't remember if it was a guest that was on. Uh, have you had conversations with Jason Fitz? Are you? Do you know him? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so I think maybe it was Jason, but whether or not you would be a good fantasy football commissioner, Tyler was emphatic, and I'm sitting there listening, going, "Absolutely." Wait, that I would be. That you would be the best fantasy football no. commissioner of all because of how emphatic you are about the rules, so that you, so that you would be a good commissioner. Because the Tommy Fam's argument is that Trout was a terrible commissioner because the whole thing is over rules, right? The yeah. IR rule. So they were saying how because you are like about rules when it comes to fantasy that you would make a good commissioner. Yeah. Well, potentially, yeah. Well, the problem is, as you mentioned,
1: in too many leagues. Yeah, like I can't. Well, that do it. was
2: the downfall. That you, well, how's he going to do it if he's in yeah. fifty-seven uh, leagues? I'm, I'm gonna. I'll, it'll be. I think it's gonna be twenty-five this year. Okay,
1: see. Um, but yeah, that's the issue. Is that I, I like? I wouldn't. I'd be like, wait, what's the rules in this league? I would have to look it up every single time. It'd be tough, and I don't like dealing with the money aspect, which sucks. Like, I don't. Here's the thing. I I I don't envy commissioners of fantasy leagues. It's a hard job, and if you're not in fantasy and you don't get that, like in real fantasy leagues, it's a hard job. It's not fun, and you have to come up with the rules. We've talked. We talked about the famous story before. A guy tried to be creative with the rules. I found an error and won the league before it ever started, and ruined the entire league. Yeah. Like that. That's the kind of things you have to deal with as a commissioner. And I. I don't apologize for that. That's what I do. I find. I find the the right loophole in a league. I find the rules. And I find okay, cool. Let's let's do this. But yeah, being a commissioner sucks. And then you have to deal with the money and collecting and all the stuff. I, I don't like all that stuff.
3: Stick your hand
2: in there, Dave. So let me ask you a question. Okay. You're on the golf course. All right. And you're walking up to the green after a beautiful shot. And So it's my seventh shot? Okay. (laughs) There's an alligator sitting there with your ball in his mouth. (laughs) Okay. And then it spits it out, and it's just sitting there almost like teasing you. First of all, this sounds like it's something that would happen in
1: Florida, so I'm already out. I wouldn't want to go to Florida <laughs> for any reason. I believe that's where it took place. Um, So I generally I, – I don't really like playing golf. Like I don't mind being out on the course. I'm I've The last couple of times a bunch of my friends have gone and played and tried to play like a tournament-type thing, I'll just grab a cart, roll around the roll course around with them, in, yeah. and just, just hang out. Have cocktails. So I I would absolutely say that if I get to the green – my ball is in the mouth of an alligator. I'm just going to play the next hole. <laughs>
2: I, think <laughs> if you, I, think, um, I think if you take a drop, you don't have to take a penalty if the alligator I'd, rolls no, off. No, I'm with not your,
1: playing the hole anymore. You're just gone. I'm like, how many putts will it how, take how, me from here? Just give me three putts, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to the next hole. You're not even leaving the course? No. I see an alligator. Well, I like I said, I would never be there in the first place. But if I'm there and there's an alligator with the, my ball in its mouth, I'm out. All right. We're out.
2: <laughs> we How's are that? out.
1: That'll do it for us. Thanks to our wonderful guests today, Wes Walls, Caleb Herring, Justin Watkins with the tremendous insight. Eric Snow, even though he picked Celtics in six, go Dubs, Dub Nation tomorrow. Let's go Rangers. That'll do it. Steve Cofield back tomorrow with you with everything that happens at OTAs.